This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The Wednesday week. Five friends, one football club. And about six jokes they just repeat over and over and over and over and over. Good evening, good afternoon, or indeed good morning. When you are listening to this content, this is the Wednesday week. And due to a reshuffle within our cabinet, you are having me, Dave, uh, presenting today. So unfortunately uh, for all of you, you're going to have to suffer that. We have with us today Stevie, we have Ben, and welcoming back the long overdue return of Victoria. Victoria, how are you, my dear? <laughs> I'm all right, are you? Yeah, I am excellent. I am pleased to be put into this position and I will continue this way. We have got several things to discuss tonight, and unfortunately, that is going to start with the last game. Away at Plymouth, a long trek to the south coast when we were hoping to get something after the back of a previous defeat. However, that is not necessarily the way it panned out. 590 mile around journey from S6, 2000 traveling fans. Stevie, I'm gonna to come to you first. What were your hopes and expectations for this game and how did it pan out accordingly? <laughs> Um, my hopes and expectations and the way that it panned out differ uh, quite significantly, I think. Um, and I don't think I'd be in the minority if we, if, if we were to say that. Um, I think we mentioned, or I mentioned on the pod last week, uh, expecting it to be quite a challenging, uh, scrappy game. Uh, I think the way that uh, Ryan Lowe has set up, uh, they're a team that like to play. Um, and we thought last week that the fact that they, they do like to play football might sort of open up the game a little bit for for us to be a little bit more expansive and, and to get at them. But to be perfectly honest with you, it's a, it's probably the most forgetful game of football that I've watched us play in a hell of a long time. Certainly certainly under the Moore era. I've never really been sort of disappointed in a, in a performance under Darren Moore because of the baggage that came with it and the start of the season that we had. Um, it was just instantly forgettable. Um, and you knew as soon as the first goal had gone in, um, it was going to be a long old afternoon and that proved to be the case. Um, I think the the first goal was probably the, the the sort of the final nail in the coffin. Bizarrely, if you, if you want to sort of look at a perverse spin on it, 
Um, if, Pe if Peacock Farrell doesn't make the mistake he, he makes, I think that, that allows us to settle down and go into the game a little bit. I don't know if that carried a little bit of weight in terms of expectation that we had and it, it not panning out as we wanted it to, but it just wasn't it wasn't our afternoon. Um, I don't think we got the ball down. I don't think we played through the thirds. Um, I was worried watching that midfield three. Um, I don't think it offered enough. Um, I was worried about the front three. Um, I don't think Johnson and so either side of Gregory offered enough support in any way, shape or form. Um, it was very, very disparate, I think would be the word that I'd, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd use. Um, two o'clock, I was very happy with the lineup. Um, I've said previously, I've got no issue with um, the, the, the teams that he picks at the moment. In Darren Moore, we need, need or needed, need to trust. I'm not at a needed point yet, but um, <laughs> absolutely not, you know. And I still, I maintain it'll still be a month or so before we know what our, our strongest 11 will be and how that will settle in. Um, I'd have liked to have th thought that the Morecambe game would have been a bounce point for us and we'll, we'd come out fighting. It hasn't happened. I think taken away from the game um, on Saturday, we absolutely need a reaction this weekend. Um, and the noises coming out of the, the club at the minute with the press conferences and the things that are being said on, on social media and what have you are, are, are indicative that that seems to be the feeling amongst the, the, the lads at the moment that they, they owe us a reaction. I think it was Iorfa has been on today and said, um, we're going to lose games throughout the season. It's about how we react and what we do next. And we, we owe the lads that have travelled, all the supports that have travelled down a, a big performance um, this weekend. And I hope that, that comes to fruition. I think with reaction, that's that's a good point. Do you think then, Ben, Stevie's mentioned that a reaction's needed and he's alluded to the fact that Bailey Peacock Farrell's probably made the biggest mistake in his Wednesday career with that first goal. It's something that should really be bread and butter for him. He should be able to get that clear. Uh, and that's obviously uh, not been the case. And that's put us one down straight away. Do you feel that? the manner in which we've gone behind has then set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, quite possibly we've been so early on and a player that's been so solid at the start of the season, one player of the month, done so well in Northern Ireland. And yeah, there's a lot of hype around him at the moment. He's gone and done that, which is, you know, I think you're right that it has sort of set that tone for us. I think overall from start to finish probably even before that however early it was I think about eight minutes were it or something like that yeah um but even before that lads that I know that have gone down said from start to finish even before that goal we were second best Plymouth were played really well you know outplayed us from from back to front so yeah you, you you blame it on your goalkeeper yeah we've gone one nil down but we've got gone one nil down the eighth minute and coming from behind has been a problem now for a very long time. I don't think we've come back from from a losing position to win since before the pandemic. Am I no, right? I believe that's right. That is right. Something like that, mm -hmm. which needs to change. Like I said, I, I, we, we were at the Morecambe game and I said, my dad, even we sort of 10, 10, 15 minutes left, the team that finishes in top two comes back and wins this game 2-1. That's something that, that we need to change going forward if we are going to be in the top two come the end of the season because we, all, we are going to fall behind no matter how good we are. You look at the team that we got promoted with back in 2012, went behind plenty of times and, and they had it in them more. I think this squad that we've got now has got more quality, but it's mm -hmm. yet to be seen whether it's got as much heart 
as that team that we had in 2012 had, whether we've got the same same caliber of leaders um, to to drag us through it when we we do go one down, two down. You know that's that's yet to be seen. But yeah, that's, I, a, that's I, a good point. Yeah, I don't think there's much need to panic at the moment. We've lost two games. I mentioned that team from 2012. That team went and lost to five one to Stevenage. Among numerous other defeats again, yeah, I've lost to Stevenage at home, games like that. So, no, I think, just, I think so. just just with that, the, you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, Ben. You know, we we talked about three wins, a draw, and a loss from the first five games is is reasonable form, isn't it? If we take that loss in three four games time, it doesn't look or seem as as bad as it is. So that that the the fact that we've lost the game, we are going to lose games this season. The fact we've lost two games back to back as early on as we have in the season to the teams that we've lost to um, after the start that we've had, I think it makes it look on the surface a little bit worse than it might not actually be. But we can't afford to lose this weekend and expect to still have that positivity that is we we've just about still got around the club at the moment. So big weekend coming up. So looking at that game, I've looked at some of the statistics, Vic, and by all accounts, we had 62% of the possession away from home. And there's sort of a similar amount of chances on goal, uh, sorry, chances. Um, we've had a few less on target. Ben's well, brought up... All those chances in like the last 15 minutes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. There were 75 <laughs> other minutes that just didn't exist, yeah. So looking at the talent that we've got, we don't think we can deny that man for man. Player for player, we've got good quality players there. Um, how do you address what appears then to be an attitude and a mentality issue, uh, a possible belief or expectation that we can go to these sort of games, that we can play our game and not necessarily have to worry about the opposition's game? What's Darren Moore got to do going forward? What can he learn from these last two games that will make this, hopefully, the turning point for the rest of the season? To be honest, I don't even felt feel like it felt like we were playing our game on Saturday. I don't think that was how we set up, like maybe or right, physically, like in a like formation. But as the style of play, that's not how we played so far. I don't know what went wrong, and it seems to be one of those things that it happens to football clubs. Like you get an international break, or you get this, you get that, and some clubs use it to their advantage, and some clubs are Sheffield Wednesday. And I think that's <laughs> exactly what's happened. Like. I, it just felt like they'd never even met each other before, let alone like trained together or, you know, prepared for two weeks. And it, it was just, like you said, like 60% possession, I think is very, very, very flattering and mm -hmm. probably too much for what we had. I mean, my eye follow was atrocious, thank God. So I ended up, I, I must admit, I did, uh, may have watched uh, Man United because they've just signed some new striker yeah some, um, some new boy someone else so I watched that just because <laughs> I couldn't get on our eye follow um but it was just every time I went on I wanted to switch it off and I'm not at that point in the season yet that's mm -hmm. like normally I get to that point it gets to like uh, February mm -hmm. and we're doing shit and we're, we're losing away at like Ipswich or you know and I think I'm not watching this mm -hmm. but it's September and mm -hmm. I should still be like so, so into it, especially because of the last two years and not being able to go, etc. But it just wasn't there for me at all. And I don't think it was for anybody on that pitch. I think mm -hmm. I felt for Peacock Farrell because I think that that was, that was his Tom Lee moment. That was, mm -hmm. you know, and he's got to either build on that now and nip it in the bud and he's got to go, right, that was one shit game that Leeds fans are going to say, that's why they got rid of me. 
or he's going to do a Tom Lee and just keep going like that. But hopefully, yeah. you know, he's going to pick it back up. But there was there was just nothing to shout about. It was just awful. There was mm-hmm. there was no movement. There was no speed. There was nobody looked aggressive enough. You know, all the yellow cards that were picked up were just nothing. Mm-hmm. It was. I, I don't mind a booking if you're going to put in some effort to get it, and it's going to shit up the other side, and it's going to make mm-hmm. them go, "Oh my god, yeah, you're here, sorry." But mm-hmm. even Hutchers was just crap. It was just a really, really bad game. <laughs> Aggression is a good point to be touch on, Vic, because I think we have discussed our last couple of podcasts about what Wednesday lack and when things are possibly not going the way we want them to, where where have we got the, the, the gaps in the team? And you're looking at that midfield, and Steve, I think as weeks go and come and go, spoke of Luongo being that first name prospectively on the team sheet. If we have the fully fit team, we have that bite, we have that that competitive midfielder that can break up things and start play again. With the Plymouth game, we were even missing uh, a Denny run as well. And uh, what did that midfield, other than the obvious, what, what did what did it not have that it really needed to have other than those personnel? Uh, and I'll put that to everybody because we started with, I believe, is it, was it wing buyers and Bannon in midfield? Yeah. All, all perfectly capable footballers in their own right, but what happened when the three of them played together and what, what problems did it create? Um, I I think you, you you touched on it when you you mentioned Luongo, and I, I don't want to suddenly seem like I'm tub thumping for Luongo to be the first name on the sheet week in week out because I think there's an element that you've got to add that sort of squad rotation and almost that feeling of horses for courses. But I think Saturday has taught us that if we're going to set up in a a four three three or whatever variation of that formation that you want to say that we're playing. Um, I don't think you can play those three in the middle of the park. Um, I don't think they're, when we're out of possession, I don't think they are combative enough. I don't think there's enough aggression there. Um, I don't think they they look to turn the ball back over towards us um, with enough sort of, of quality to, to ensure that we're breaking things down. I know that the the possession would argue that that, that isn't necessarily the case, but let's be right, we, we've had that, that possession, that amount of possession, uh, the passes that we've made, we've almost doubled the passes that they made, but that's because we're making passes in the wrong areas, playing nice little triangles and trying to be really attractive, which is great if it's working for us, but it will only work for us if we do that as a midfield three with those three in front of us that we can then go and get involved in the game and it just didn't happen. Um, I like So. I know we're talking about the midfield. I, I, I do like what I've seen of So. I saw him at Newcastle um, and I thought he was very, very good. Um, I think Johnson continues to to divide sort of opinions, but I do think there's a place for him in the squad because of his ex- experience. Um, but I just think that midfield is a little bit too Coke Zero, if you like. It needs a little bit of fizz. It needs a little bit of uh, nice. bite. That's really nice. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> There's just not that fizz that, that makes things happen. And I, I don't want to attribute that to just the one player. Um, but, I, you know, you look through our midfield um, beyond Luongo and possibly Adenarin or Adeniran, Um, I'm not entirely sure what happens next if, if if we haven't got those players available to us, to be honest with you. Possibly, I, w- I would argue possibly, and I know that, that this is probably going to seem really, really out of left field, if there was a place for somebody at centre-half uh, moving Hutch forward to give us something different. Potentially, I don't think that's in the plan. I don't think that's something that people are thinking about necessarily. But uh, Byers, Wing and uh, Bannon seem to be very, very similar. And they 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 don't seem, it didn't seem to me on Saturday 
that that's a team or a, a three that we can put in the middle that, that that's going to be productive. I, I, I agree. Happened, oh, sorry. No, go on, mate. I was just going to say the one thing that's happened since I, I can't pronounce his surname, so I'm going to say Dennis has come in. He's, he's <laughs> I, I pronounce it differently every week. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, so just going to go with each one both times. Just, no, I'm not calling him Dave. Like I'm calling him by his name. I just need to learn how to pronounce his surname. Uh, I don't call any of you by your surname. <laughs> I don't call my surname normally, so I'm sticking with it. So Dennis, I think, allows Barry Bannon to move forward a little bit mm -hmm. more and to have a bit more confidence. And not having that there was quite. It was almost drifting back to that that sort of nasty reality that we've had over the last, say, four or five years, but like, not consistently, but there's been like patches of time where one player missing makes all that difference. So you've mm -hmm. Harris, you know, Bannon when he was out for a bit, Hutch when he's been out, there's a Westwood especially as well. There's been patches that we've gone, shit, there are 10 other men that need to play here and we're missing that one and it's all gone wrong. And it did feel a little bit like that on Saturday, like Bannon didn't know where he was. And to be mm -hmm. honest, at the level that Bannon is and the, the position that he's got as club captain, etc. And, you know, he's not a young guy anymore. He's like late 20s now, I think. He should be able to match up to that. He shouldn't be panicking like he seemed to be. But I think he's just got that typical mentality that he sweeps around and picks everything up for everybody else. And he was trying to do that, but without the backup that he's used to because he was surrounded by two very attacking players who didn't allow him that space. And I think that was one of the major hurdles. But then I worry, is everything going to fall to shit if we don't have Dennis in the squad? And it's not been long enough yet. You know, he can't have that sort of cult status yet that without him, we don't win games. But it did feel like he was the big missing link. Yeah. I, 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 in a way, I'm still wanting to put it down to a one-off because that didn't really happen at Morecambe. Um, except barring possibly the last 15 minutes when Bannon was trying to make everything himself. <laughs> I, I, I get the what Steve has said about us being not being combative enough without a Denurin in the side, because that's obviously what he brings. He's been brilliant at doing that. But from what I've seen, and I didn't see the Plymouth game, and I know that people who have said that it didn't work and Bannon was dropping too deep, like we've seen him do in the past, but... Every game I've watched, barring the Plymouth game, that's that's not happened. I think Byers, as from what I've seen, loves a tackle, mm -hmm. and there's been that sort of holding anchor man in in the midfield when he has played. That for me has allowed Bannon to get forward. Mm -hmm. um, whether against. Um, Fleetwood, it allowed Adenuran to play on the right-hand side in the first half, which we looked really good in, in that. So, uh, with Adenuran out right wide, Byers and, and we holding, which allowed Bannon to, to be further forward. So, like I said, I won't press the panic button and say that <laughs> we need to rely on this, we need to have so-and-so here, we need to, you know, otherwise it's not going to work. I wouldn't... Yeah. I, I don't want to get into that that soon. If it, if it continues to not not work, then yeah, obviously something needs to change. But probably for me, because I missed the Plymouth game and all I've seen were thirty seconds of highlights. I'm going off what I've seen before. You don't watch mm -hmm. the extended ones, then. I, they were I, think, I, think I don't even think they're available. To be honest, I, I, did, I, did, I did go looking for them. I think the they're two minutes was the extended highlights. Definitely <laughs> no, trying to find footage. 
<laughs> no, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I just think if we if we go and beat Shrewsbury three 0 then yeah, all is forgotten. The good performance and, and everyone's back on side really. Just just on that then, let me let me ask or pose a question to, to you guys, and it's I I have thoughts, but not necessarily a, a solid opinion. We've lost games, and there's a big thing at the moment um, uh, on our social media, and we make a point of it as well, and everybody else does. Um, every game that we go to, the tickets go on sale, and we sell them out straight away, and we travel in number, and we are going to sell out our away days every time we we obviously we go we, we play away from Hillsborough. Do you think that there's a psychological issue, expectation around taking 2,000 players, uh, sorry, supporters down to Plymouth and those players expecting to turn up and, and, and just, you know, steamroll or roll over a team and, and, and the fact that we're playing away in front of large crowd, uh, crowds of travelling supporters might be an issue. I don't think I expect them to steamroll a team, but I expect them to turn up. And I don't think they did on Saturday. I think they really, really let themselves down. Like I know I sound like a mum that's like, you've made me disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. They let themselves down. I don't think, I think we're being, probably I'm being a bit harsh on Barry Bannon in the respect that, and without sounding too arrogant as a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and I know it will sound like this, but they probably 100% set up to close down Barry Bannon mm-hmm. and push him back. That will be, you know, is is the FIFA top player in League One? Like, what more do you want? But he, I think that that was probably there from the outset. Um, but we should be prepared for things like that. We should know that that's going to happen. You know, we've seen this with like, you, you see it with all teams all the time when they take a free kick and you know a standard way. Arsenal used to be the classic. You know the Arsenal offside trap and the Arsenal free kick of the Arsenal Wenger days. And so therefore, every so often, they pull something different out of the bag and it would just floor people. And I think that's probably a tactical thing. That probably is on Darren Moore and his team, that they should have known that Bannon was going to be completely outmarked in that match. It happened with Newhue towards the end. We'd have three men on him because teams looked at him and went, actually, they're going to bring this guy on at 70 minutes and he's probably going to run slowly at the front and we need to get three men on him. So that, I think that's the thing. But I think for Saturday, I think you're giving them too much credit to say that there was pressure on them because at the end of the day, it's their job and they did not turn up. There was, it wasn't even like, you know, like the playoff final with, you know, Jordan Rose and his penalty and all that stuff. It didn't come into that. It's still a League One game. You're still mm-hmm. on your championship wages and fans have travelled a long way. And it shouldn't matter if there's, you know, there's been no fans in the stand for two years. Mm-hmm. Like, get over it, man. Like, that's your job. Like, play football, score a goal. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's to do with the fans, but, you know, I think it's similar to what Stevie said in that we're Sheffield Wednesday and we're going to mock them and it's their record attendance. It's their one of the biggest games in their history. Similar for Plymouth, albeit Plymouth are obviously a bit of bigger club than Morecambe. For Fleetwood to come to Hillsborough, it's it's their sort of FA Cup Man United away in the league sort of thing. Not saying we're Man United, obviously, but, <laughs> but it's... Yeah, it's the equivalent of us going to Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah. So we, we are going to be coming up against that most most weeks, week in, week out, barring when we play Portsmouth, Sunderland, Ipswich, such like Charlton and, and teams like that. So, well, I don't think it's the pressure of 
playing in front of 4,000 travelling fans that other teams don't get in League One. I think it's part of the course of playing for Sheffield Wednesday in League One, especially when we've put a team together like we have. There's a lot of hype around the team that most of them, you'd imagine, are too good to play in this division. And opposition players, opposition fans know that, especially when you go away from home. It's you see, you saw it with the celebrations for, for Plymouth fans. It's hmm. that's how it's going to be. That's how it should be. So that's something they they've got to control, use to his advantage as and when we can, and, and get used to it because that's how it's going to be all season. But I we've think also it, got to knock them down a peg, haven't we? And like it needs somebody like Bannon or whoever as a voice, as a club captain, to say, you know, you're not, you're not Ronaldo. You're not, you're not playing in the championship anymore. You are going to Morecambe away because that is the position that this football club is in. That is the position that the majority of you here last year couldn't get us out of, and mm. therefore you're playing Morecambe away. And mm. I think it's been arrogance that's been, it's been on us for, well, I've been alive 33 years and we've been as arrogant then, like since then as we are now. Like we think we're something. We're very similar to Derby, Notts Forest. You know, there's all these teams that should be up there. But we're not. We're playing Morecambe away because we were shy and we went down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some of the some of the words that came out of that performance. Um, I think Ash put a tweet out after the game and wanted fans to hit it out with one sort of adjective. And there was there was a lot of the standard sort of things you'd expect in terms of the performance being lazy and awful and predictable and embarrassing and somewhat unsurprising. But I think complacency really does hit hit the head of what we were what we were missing. I think that the individually these players have played in front of nobody for the last year and a half. Now they've got big fan, uh, big crowds. Uh, they're, they're playing in front of some players having never played in front of big crowds. Some players having never played first team football before. Some players never having played at this low level before. It's a collective effort that's going to be needed to be done amongst the team. And I think Vic's right when she says that somebody like Bannon has to lead. But equally, I think he needs to be possibly more than anybody understand the situation they're in. So he has to kind of get over the personal issue of this is the lowest standard of football I've ever played at and then take the lead for the team to go, right, I've got my head around it. Now it's time for me to lead you guys. And I think we'll come back onto Bannon a bit later on. But ultimately that sort of game that we had against Plymouth was always going to come. It came in the time of the uh, season that it has came. It's not the be all and end all. That Saturday could be a big, big difference, but we'll get to that as well. So we'll move on to the next subject I want to bring up, and that is the manager himself, Darren Moore, who has gone to, who's gone through just over six months. I believe it was the first of March that he was appointed as manager of Sheffield Wednesday. So his six monthly review um, off the back of that game, we as Wednesday fans, as a collective, do err on the side of drama. We like a little bit of a moan on social media, and we like to be a little bit of a everything shy. So, um, in the standard way, um, people are already starting to head scratch, maybe start to question whether Moore's the right man for the team. Um, so, obviously, he's had interruptions with COVID for the teams he's been able to build. His own personal uh, health was, was uh, an issue for a long time. Um, so, there's always going to be anomalies. There's always going to be factors that need to be considered. Um, but it is his team. And it is his players, and he has had uh, support from Mr. Chancery. Um, 20 games in, league only since he's been appointed. Uh, six wins, five draws, nine losses. So, Ben, you are Dave Chancery. You have called in Darren Moore 
six month review for what he's done. What's Chance Series saying to more? What's he uh, reviewing his investment as so far? Make sure we go up at the end of the season. Pretty Simple much. as that. Simple as that. I, I, I know people are saying he's too. The one one tweet I saw is he, he's at we're averaging one point a game under Darren Moore. I know you you have to take into account last season, but he didn't. He, he hardly managed the team. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the guy was nearly season. dead for God's sake! Like, <laughs> yeah. come on! Um, <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just presenting <laughs> the question as it was posed. He <laughs> was working with a squad that we all probably knew we had to go down to rebuild. So. <laughs> I, I know some people would say you're excusing him all this all that but part of me wants to wipe last season all mm-hmm. that it, it's about this season it, this this is what he needs to be judged on not last season and this mm-hmm. season we're five, five games in are we now league wise we've lo- lost two of them mm-hmm. yeah, let, let's wait what ends at season and okay for, so I think we are going to be there or thereabouts. So Ben's saying, well, nothing should be, we need to carry on concentrating on plan A. We've got more building for the future with what he wanted to do with his plans, with us going down, hopefully to go, go backwards, to go forwards. Vic, are you in the same camp as Ben? I don't think that he gets anywhere near enough credit that he should get. Um, I think the guy has come in into, I mean, he, he came in, he got COVID, he nearly died. Like, he mm-hmm. had blood clots on his lungs. Like, it, was, it wasn't just a cough like you guys have mm-hmm. all got. <laughs> it was like, it was actual serious COVID. It's a really bad <laughs> cough thing that I've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chanel mentioned you are actually, like, powering through tonight. Ben's just recovered, Steve just recovered. Dave's still positive, so we've sanitised the laptop. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, we, like, he went through that. He's also gone through a lot of shit when he first joined us let's not forget that there was a lot of sort of underhand comments that were made there was a lot of racism that was floating about there was all this stuff as one of the first black managers in the English Football League taking over such a big club bringing in two black men to work with him it was a very like it was a tense time and that you know, whether or not you realise your biases or not, you know, there was stuff that was said that shouldn't have been said and wouldn't have been said if it had been Steve Bruce, for example. Um, well, should have been said if it was, you know what I mean? Um, but so he went through all that and then he's ended up bringing in a team that none of us could have possibly imagined he could bring in. And every single one of them has cited the fact that it was him and Barry Bannon that brought them to this football club. You know, mm-hmm. we've just re-signed Josh Bloody Windass. We, can't, we haven't paid him for two months. You know, he's not getting enough credit for what he's done. And a couple of shitty losses don't make up for that. And I think, you know, we give we give time to so many managers. Look how long we gave Alan Bloody Irvine. And, and yet people are turning on Darren Moore already. And it just seems so unfair. Like the guy just seems to be doing the right thing. And he's trying his best. And yeah, he got it wrong on Saturday. That was bad tactics all over me. Mm-hmm. He should have known about Barry Bannon being out March. Should have known that Lee Gregory would be pulled all over, but he didn't. But I do think it's all very, very quick to just jump on this doom and gloom train when you look at what the guy's been through in the last twelve months, let alone before that in his career. 
And we mm -hmm. should be actually pretty bloody grateful to have him on board because he's come to a club that doesn't pay his play doesn't pay the players, had a points deduction, was going down, he's left a rival where he could have quite easily gone up and got a probably quite nice pay rise to go up. Mm -hmm. And with a chairman who, let's be honest, makes dictators look friendly or did. And he's come in and done something and a couple of losses at the seaside and we're all going mental about it. And I just think it's mm -hmm. really, really unfair. I do think a lot of frustration comes into this. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of it comes to frustration and I think a lot of people are obviously projecting their own frustrations out on more as an individual, which I, I agree with Vic. I think that is... <laughs> It's unfair and um, somebody that seems to be so much about the team and about the togetherness and, and that's now seeping into the club. It has to go back the same way. So it's a collective disappointment. We can we can moan and groan and we can, we can lick his wounds, but we can't, it can't single out anybody for that. So will you, Stevie, I'm going to put the question on the head just so we don't get through the same answers. In that same meeting that I uh, sort of projected, if you are Darren Moore and you're sat there with Chancery, who's now pointing out to these two uh, consecutive defeats to murmurs from certain sections of social media and frustration amongst the fans. If you're Darren Moore, are you going to tell your boss and pass out the message that this is coming? It's the right things. We're doing the right things in the right way. We need to iron out small mistakes. Are you considering wholesale changes amongst your formations and your setups to your lineups? Are you questioning your own abilities to set up the team and what you thought was needed for this league? So if you're Mr. Chan, if you're doing your pitch back to the chairman, what are you saying about what your plan is to go forward? More of the same, or I can change it up, boss. Oh, um, I think I think I I know I'd, I'd tag on what Vic said, um, and I'd agree with everything that both of them have said. To be honest with you, I think the thing with Darren Moore is we've got to understand that this is a man who has. All right, he'd had a period of time managing Doncaster Rovers in League One, but the circumstances were different. This is a, an absolutely different beast. If I was sitting in front of uh, Chan Siri as Darren Moore, I'd be telling him, look at what I have done in terms of overhauling this squad. I've, um, I've got a lot of um, big wages off the bill. I've replaced them with some reasonable players for League One. Um, we've got a Premiership goalkeeper on loan. Um, I have rejuvenated a player who, under your watch, was released at centre-half. Um, I've secured, and I, I'll say it week in, week out, I've secured what I truly believe to be a, a Premiership standard centre-half mm -hmm. on his day. Um, we can wax lyrical <laughs> my weekly Liam Palmer uh, celebrations. <laughs> <are here. laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> people, people will deride Liam Palmer, but he, I don't think he's put a foot wrong this season. Uh, we've reattracted Jack Hunt to the club. Uh, we've brought players in, such as Lewis Wing, who was being lauded for championship football, where Byers was playing at Swansea, or was at Swansea. Um, Aaron, people have paid £4 million for him. We've attracted Lee Gregory. We've brought in Saido Berahino, who is, let's be right, when he gets it right, and if he gets it right, could still do a job in the Premiership. He, if, if he gets his head right and goes on a run, there will be Premiership. There's only one reason that he has come to Sheffield Wednesday, let's be honest. One, absolutely, 100%. So you look up and down it. Um, I, I think as, as, a, as somebody who's sort of fighting my corner, I'm telling you, look at the job that I've done in terms of overhauling this squad. Um, I can't imagine that, that um, Moore and the, 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 the on-field team would have had a, a great deal to do in terms of the structure 
um, with Dooley and the boardroom level. However, I think there's a synthesis there and there's a positivity around the club in spite of everything. And even now that we're talking about having dropped um, six points out of the last two games, we're not here sitting or dare I say it, logical people are not here sitting and um, pressing the panic button just yet. Um, I think it's 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 too early. It's too early this season. I'd write off any any anything from Championship going down because it wasn't his club. And that's another argument I'd have. Um, judge me by, judge me as Darren Moore by my pre-season, the activity I've done in terms of restructuring the club off the field. Um, I think we've released the uh, the squad photo today. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody's counted 20 backroom staff, all front and centre on the squad photo, which I think is fantastic. It shows a unity. Mm-hmm. It shows the togetherness. It shows that we're, we're on that way of building an identity within the club. And I think any successful organisation doesn't just stop and start as a football club. We don't stop and start on the pitch. It's the physios, it's the, the masseuse, it's the, the club doctors, it's everybody else that's in and around that are getting people right for the game. Um, I, I agree with Vic. I think he's done a fantastic job under absolutely extraordinary circumstances. And I think anybody that's thinking that at the moment that Darren Moore is not the right for the job and you know doesn't deserve at least until Christmas, if not towards mm-hmm. Easter, to get this right. Because... Whatever happens this season, you know, if we go up, it's absolutely brilliant, absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the objective and the target. But if we don't go up and there will be, and I say it week in, week out, if we don't go up, the squad will be different next year. But I still think Darren Moore will be the right person to get this, to get this right. I, I, I really do believe that. Uh, I would liken the job that he's done to, and this is the worst analogy of the night, and I'll stop doing them after this. But if you imagine a vintage car that you overhaul, and you, you you strip it right back, you 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 do it all up, and you 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 get it right again, and it looks all pristine. And then you put it on the road, you're going to get some hitches, you're going to get mm-hmm. you're going to get some faults somewhere. Um, eventually, you'll iron them out, you'll tweak it, you'll you know you'll put it back in the garage, you'll get it right, and then eventually, when you're happy with it, it'll go out and it's going to purr. And I think that's what that's that's what we need to try and as as rational football fans, we need to try and get that through our heads that that's the process that we're going through at the moment. Ideal. So Wheeler Dealer, Stevie, is finishing on that saying that it's all positive. I think we all agree with that. I think we also agree that, and I'm looking ahead here. It's a vintage car. It's more like a Bobby Reliant. (laughs) We have got... I've got grease lining in my head at me. (laughs) (laughs) Our next four games are Shrewsbury at home, Ipswich away, Wigan away, Oxford at home. I think we have collectively said that. If you take a snapshot of the last two games, it's going to look bad. Of course, it is. it's not a realistic one. If you're taking the whole six months-ish of his uh, of Moore's appointment, it's not fair as well because we're talking about two different uh, situations between the, the, ta- the bottom end of the relegation and the, the, the crap he had to get passed over. So I think collectively, uh, resoundingly, we're saying let's stick by our man and let's see where we're going next and let's not get too concerned too soon. Okay, so from last week, we had a discussion towards the tail end of the pod about the lone loves or people that have lived long in the heart of being on Wednesday's books. But what's new for this season and hasn't really been uh, apparent in the Chancery era, whether it's been from him or from the coaches that we have, is to get some of our players out and get them uh, playing first-team football. So... I believe last count with Luke Jackson away on loan as of today, that's six players we have out on loan. 
Uh, Luke Jackson is at Geisley for a month. Um, Ryan Galvin has just signed a new contract and has extended a loan at Gloucester. Charles Hagen's gone to Hampton and Richmond and Liam Waldock is at Gainsborough. So they're the younger players that are away on loan. And two of the sort of first team squad in, in Alex Hunt and Dawson are both away uh, under half season and season loan as well. So this is obviously... Been, sorry, Dave, have you seen the link with Brennan tonight? I think it's only come out in the last couple of hours that, that Brennan's been linked with Chesterfield as well. So that's just okay. another one to add to the so, list. So, yeah, absolutely. So, so Brennan, you could, you could, he almost spans the two. He's somebody that has been in that youth setup but has started to come <coughs> to the first team. And I think we've all said collectively that the Newcastle game, he looked, he looked very accomplished, very, uh, very assured, and the sort of thing that's going to be a long term. Uh, benefit for the club so I'll come to you first Ben this hasn't been done under previous managers do you see that this when we look at the young players for a start where is this better for them to be playing at fifth sixth tier clubs to be playing first team football playing men's football grown-up football how is this going to benefit Wednesday and when can we expect to see any sort of return well for me 100% it's a benefit all around there's no there's no point in players that aren't going to play for the first team sitting around and playing for the 23s when they can be going and playing men's football because 23s is is a world away from mm-hmm. first team football. You saw that when Wednesday played Newcastle 23s. Mm-hmm. No, none of those Newcastle 23s are going to get anywhere near their first team mm-hmm. in the next two years unless they go out on loan to a League One club and they're putting in and around men and playing with men, learning mm-hmm. from them. So, yeah, I think it's the right thing to do for people like Charles Hagen, Liam Waldock, Luke Jackson, etc. that they're going out and playing non-league football mm-hmm. with, with, with blokes who are playing for the place on the Saturday, playing for, for the living, for the win bonus. Mm-hmm. It's competitive football, which the, the 23s isn't. So, yeah, for me, it's it, it can only be a good thing. So, so, so Vic, coming to you, um, we're going to touch on Alex Hunt and Dawson, and we, I suppose we can we can use Brennan should he go out on loan to Chesterfield, uh, as we've just discussed, as a possibility. <laughs> These are players that are in around the first team pitch at the moment. Had they not gone off on loan, um, they would be on the bench at best. I don't think they'd be breaking into the first team. Does this? Does this seem like last chance saloon for them to go there? Do they need a positive loan spell away? Or is it is this going to be similar to what Ben's saying with the young players where everybody benefits? Are these players future Wednesday players? Does it depend on the loan? Or are we just looking to get some money off the wages for the time being? I mean, it can't be money off the wages, can it? They can't be on a lot between no. them. Maybe Dawson, but I don't think it, that's going to be a particular worry. I think it's something that... Having known the academy, God, 15, 17, 18 years ago, that didn't happen very often. I think we had people like James Kay, friend of the show, mm. who were sent out on loan a couple of places, but that was about it. There wasn't really anybody else. And I think it's something that more so as grassroots football and like semi-pro football is coming a bit more to a forefront in people's minds, mainly because of the prices of professional football that people would rather go and watch Geisley rather than go to Hillsborough etc you know these clubs are growing and it, it is like Ben said it's giving them the opportunity to play against teams and to really really toughen up mm-hmm. because they're not they're never going to play at such a physical level in a professional career 
Mm -hmm. you know, there, there are going to be sites in a dressing room at these sort of games that they're playing at. It's not going to be like being at Hillsborough. Um, I think it can only be a good thing. And the club can more than afford to keep them on for a couple of years. You know, we're not at the level that we're going to be a Chelsea or a Man City where we've just got players on like academy contracts till the 50 and <laughs> out till Wednesday and whoever else. But I think it can't be a bad thing to just get them out there, get them playing. You know, we're never going to get into the first team. Our academy setup is kind of dead at the moment. You know, we have our under-23s, but that's mainly to get unfit first-team players back playing again. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's great. I think you just mm. send them out there. And it also gives them a life experience, especially the further away that they go. You know, some of these lads will be, what, 18, 20 years old and having either always lived at home or lived in digs to mm -hmm. actually have to go somewhere and live in a flat on their own and learn how to use a washing machine and stuff that totally. actually you forget as a footballer from being like probably 10, 12 years old onwards, you are just told that the world revolves around you. You're going to be super famous one day. You're going to earn loads of money. You don't have to learn like genuine life skills, like paying a bill or all these sort of things. And actually if they go away, they're going to have to learn how to do some stuff mm -hmm. for themselves and it can only make them grow. It's a bit like sending them to uni, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Send them, oh, away to, yeah. send them away to grow up. <laughs> <Yeah, Bill. laughs> so, Stevie, do you feel that Hunt and Dawson, if they have a good loan spell, or do you feel that the loan spell matters more than how well they do? It is just getting that experience and that football because ultimately that's what's going to develop them. Does it have to be a successful loan spell? I know we, we, we touched upon Kenny and Jones and his magical loan spell at Wednesday uh, last week. Do, do these boys need to go away and absolutely excel or is it just going to be a benefit for them and do we ultimately benefit from it as a club by having them playing first team football? I think as, as a club, as a club, we, we benefit from the lot of them going away and, and getting that experience. As Vickers said, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, just before I answer that question, the, the, the youth, the young players going away and getting that experience in non-league uh, and lower league football is absolutely fantastic and it's necessary. And I, as we've said, it's not something we've been sort of progressive and proactive in doing previously. So I, I wholeheartedly applaud that. Um, I think the, the the two that we've mentioned, Dawson and Hunt, are the big ones that, that sort of stick with me for different reasons. Um, I think Dawson, we were talking about young players. Dawson's 26, mm -hmm. you know, which to be fair... You've got to give him three years. Yeah, he's he's twenty six, but he's a goalkeeper. But we can we can't hold him to that sort to to the same sort of standard necessarily. We do have that caveat of the the fact that he is a goalkeeper. But we're, we're we're not talking about a boy here. We're talking about a lad who's been in the system for for a period of time now. I would question, and I don't know the answer to this. I'll question whether or not he'd be out on loan. Well, he'd obviously be out on loan. But the the, the fact that he's on he's on a, a longer contract, I believe, than Wildsmith might be something that they, they've said, we'll, we'll get him out and we'll see if they, they, we can turn him into a saleable asset. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've wondered this for a period of time. As, as, as Moore said, he's, he's still out and said that whatever happens next year, we're going to get another goalkeeper in. Um, while Smith's my number two, if you like, at the moment, um, I can get eyes on Dawson playing at Exeter. Can we then move him on for a nominal mm -hmm. fee? Um, which I think is good business. Um, the one that sticks a little bit closer to home, and I've, I've said this previously, I've got friends that are friends with um, Alex Hunt's family. Um, mm. and I know he's a Wednesday eye and he's, he's, he's blue and white through and through. Um, bless his heart, I don't know the guy. Um, as I said, he's, he's a friend of a friend sort of thing, but um, I don't see it in him. I don't see him going away 
playing conference football and then coming back and and, and bothering our squad. Um, I would wonder, again, controversially, I'd wonder whether or not Moore's looked at it and gone, I've got uh, Della Bashiro on the bench. I've brought these midfielders in. I've got young players that are coming through. Can I do the right thing by this young lad and get eyes on him? And mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? We signed him to a contract when in, in, in quite uncertain times when we didn't know how things were going to look. Um, did they sign him when we went down and extend it for a year with a view to him potentially being a squad player and then all of a sudden we've signed Bayer's wing we've got Bannon secured we've brought Adeniran in Della Bashir who's around that's five midfielders off the top of my head straight away there Shadipo uh, we've got the two wingers there's a hell of a lot of traffic to get through before Punt gets anywhere near the subs bench to mind the first team and that's no slight on him um, at all um, I just think we've brought in a better quality of player since We've secured him to the contract and I, I would wonder whether or not we're trying to be right with those players that have been in and around the first team squad and say, yeah, go out. It's a, it's a Hail Mary for you. But the, the 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 reality is if you go out and you do really well at Grimsby, somebody in League Two, whether it be a Harrogate or something, you know, a team like that might go, I'll take a punt on Hunt. He can stay fairly local. He'll go with our best wishes and, you know, there's no burnt, the bridges burnt in terms of the squad, in terms of the supporters. It's also about looking after the mental health of the young players as well. The the amount of times I remember, obviously, when Kyle and James and everyone were in the academy, I think James, he got taken on for another year, James K. Um, But the rest were just kind of dropped. And we had to go to some sort of exit trials up at Northwich Victoria that were just awful, that were just every lad for himself. Like It was just like watching a load of Ronaldo's on one pitch, but none mm-hmm. of them with the sort of skill of Ronaldo, but all trying to show off as best as they could. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he came away from that. And if an agent hadn't called you, that was the end of your career. And it was awful. It was horrible. And those lads, like, from literally being, some of them eight or nine years old, some of them like 12, 13, 14, that's all they'd known. And then all of a sudden it was like, right, you've got no qualifications. You've either got to go to college now at 18, and learn a trade and be there for two years with no income or you've got to go and do x y and z and go work in a call center or whatever and i think it's good that we're trying to get like you said like people out there and getting them noticed getting eyes on them rather than just dropping them because it, mm-hmm. it's horrible it is a horrible thing and i hope that football in the last like 20 years ish has changed in that way that we are doing those sort of things now I, I personally think that out of them all that we've got out on loan at the moment, um, and if we're going to include Brennan, th- this is probably including Brennan as well. I think there's only Brennan and Hunt that, for me, will have any chance of breaking into our first team. I'm probably one of the few. I still think that there's something in Alex Hunt. Um, I think there's been enough so uh not hype but in- enough from some of the senior players uh, at the club Bannon mm-hmm. Windass, I think has has praised him quite a lot uh, among most of them to be honest I, th- I think the only thing he'll struggle with is physicality mm-hmm. but when if if and when Bannon moves on retires or whatever that may be, he's probably a similar player. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's Barry Bannon quality, but he's probably a similar type of player, someone that, yes, hasn't got the physicality in the midfield and will need men around him. Um, but I, I 
personally, I still think there is something something in him, as I think oh. there is with Brennan. I think, for, for me, it wouldn't bother me if Brennan stayed and was back up to, to what we currently have. I, I feel more assured with him at centre-half than I do with Dunkley, if I'm honest. Um, I know it was only against Newcastle's 23s and it's sort of lads at a similar age to him, but he really stood out against Newcastle. Mm-hmm. For me, man of the match by a long way and there were some good performances. Um, <coughs> Liam Palmer. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think out of the ones that we've got out on loan, if we're going to include Brennan, there's only the, those two for me that are going to come back and um, put Brennan probably more so than Hunt. Yeah. Um, Dawson, Steve says, 26, he's been in and around our first team. Even mm-hmm. if he wins player of the year in League Two and for Exeter, is he going to come back and then we're suddenly saying, oh, so is he now in front of Wildsmith that we decided to keep? and hasn't had the chance of going out on loan and, and playing that well. I don't think we are. So I, I agree with Steve that we're probably going, going to be <coughs> going to be in a position where we sell him on at the end of the season. And if we keep Peacock Barrel, if we go up, maybe so. If not, we're, we're probably going to be bringing somebody else in. Yeah. Um, the, the others are, I think, similar age to me, Liam Waldock and stuff like that. Are they going to really break into it now any more than Hunt is? Probably not. So, of course, the thing is, with a lot of the young players that are off on loan, they are only on short term ones. I think, like I said, the Galvin has been extended now till uh, January, but the other ones are just, they are maybe just little months and they are being done purely for, let's see, you no, know, rather than overly committing, rather than Wednesday, sending them off when they've got a year left of the contract and the whole year is going to be sat over at the non league. Is maybe it is one of those times where more has gone right, four <coughs> weeks. Eight weeks, whatever. If you get extended, you know you've got a short time to go and show. Are, are you going to be able to step up? You know, you've got all the technical ability that we would hope you to have, but can you can you make that next step? So I don't think any of us can see a negative in moving the players that we have. I don't think any of them would have been competing for the first team picture, and um, at the very least, they're going to get some experience and perhaps have an opportunity to put into the shop window. So uh, I think it's been a good. Uh, strategy by the club and I think uh, for the people that we have if we have anybody else in a similar position um, that looks like they're going to be somewhere between in the 23s and the first team it's what we should be looking to do perhaps an earlier stage going forward anyway sorry just very very quickly um, I don't want to sound like I'm having said everything I've said I don't want to sound like I'm being negative they're all part of the club and if they go away do really really well and then come back you know I'll be the first person to be you know, lording Hunt, Dawson, uh, whoever it is that comes back in through the door, if they, if they come in and become better players for Sheffield Wednesday, that's absolutely fantastic. And I wish them well. And what I do like to see is that the club, when, when Hunt scored his goal up at Grimsby the other week, you know, Wednesday are retweeting it. And when people are doing well, Wednesday are retweeting it. Dawson getting player of the month. Sheffield Wednesday are getting behind the club. So it's not out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. They're out there and supporting the life that they've got. They're still part of the club. Yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I think I think we've all seen the positivity of it. I think long may this continue. You are listening to the Wednesday Week, sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. So I need to get that in because Fudge always forgets, so I'm better than Fudge. Um, Victoria, you have come back, you have graced us, and we have missed your uh, input, we have missed your views, but you are now part of an exciting development, an exciting progressive movement within football. 
can I pass the floor to you? You can tell us all about what you're involved with. Yeah, so I um, I think obviously you guys know and a lot of people that listen to us know that if anyone gets abused after any of our podcast episodes, it's me. Um, and I think there's one defining feature that seems to come into play there um, that happens to be my gender that I was assigned to at birth. Um, so I have signed up with a campaign called Her Game 2 um, who have made absolutely incredible movements across the football world for the last probably six months, something like that. In fact, I think it's less than six months, I think it's only four months, um, where the founders, Kat and Lucy, who are both Bristol Rovers fans, um, were subject to quite a lot of vile sexist abuse on Twitter, um, which obviously I wouldn't know about. Um, but they were subject to that. It was horrific. And they both started this campaign that was about the fact that women should be allowed to enjoy football and talk about football too. Um, so obviously last year, I kind of just disappeared under a bit of a cloud. Um, people who follow me on Twitter, or I'm not trying to be famous or whatever, but I'm saying people who follow me on Twitter, etc., will have seen the reasons that I left. Um, and it was all very, very like amicable, obviously, between us guys, but obviously Fudge and Stevie kind of caught the brunt of it with me on the phone and just texting all the time with the stuff I was getting was just horrific. And I'm talking threats of rape, threats of violence, like all sorts on Twitter because I'm a woman. Um, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what my genitalia has to do with the fact that I like football but that has been an issue. So when Her Game 2 came around, um, I'd stopped doing any sort of media stuff for us um, as a podcast because literally the minute we signed a new player, we got a new manager, anything happened, my phone would just go off the hook in the morning because like Radio Sheffield, Hallam, TalkSport, et cetera, all had my number. And it got to the point that I said no to everything. I was like, I just don't want to be in the public eye. Anyway. I just a public eye, but Sheffield public eye. I don't want to do it. All I get is abuse and it's horrible. It was affecting my family, it was affecting my friends. Um, and the final call that I got was about three months ago um, from Radio Sheffield. And as I answered, they're the only people apart from my Nanan that have my house phone number. So the minute it rang, I was like ready to answer to Nanan because Radio Sheffield knew I told them to piss off basically. Um, and as I answered it, it was one of the producers for Paula Edwards who was like, Victoria, before you hang up, it's from Radio Sheffield. Please don't hang up, please don't hang up. We need to talk to you about this campaign. We know it's really important and we know why you've stopped talking to us, etc. Um, so I went on Radio Sheffield with them, ended up now, I am officially the Sheffield Wednesday ambassador for her game too. Um, so basically we are campaigning, thanks for the silent clap. <laughs> <laughs> we are campaigning to get rid of sexism in football um, and uh, uh, exclusive here, but we we all have like our own clubs that we're kind of like fans of or we get in touch with on behalf of the campaign. Um, so I reached out to obviously Sheffield FC and Hallam FC straight away, um, both of which have got back to me straight away saying, yes, let's set up a meeting or something. Sheffield Wednesday, I didn't know who to go to. Um, I was kind of like, I know the media team from the time that I worked there. So I didn't know if that was an appropriate route in. I managed to contact Liam Dooley, the new COO. We've got each other on LinkedIn. I just messaged him and literally within an hour of messaging him, he'd replied with his personal email address. I sent him an email outlining the campaign. He replied again straight away with absolute agreement. We just need to find out details of what Sheffield Wednesday are going to contribute to the campaign, whether it's 
you know, we already have a special number that you can text in if you witness any abuse in the stadium, but we don't really advertise it much. Um, so that's something that we're going to do. It's going to be things like posters in the women's toilets, stuff like that. But basically, yeah, it's the club have been amazing. Like Liam Dooley is an absolute credit to this football club. Like the changes he has made in the last six months alone are outstanding. Um, but the way he's just got back to me straight away, very, very genuine. So yeah, hopefully we'll be doing more with the club for her game too. Um, but if you want to get involved on Twitter, etc., it's just hashtag, hashtag her game too, um, or at her game too. And yeah, we are the campaign against sexism in football. And so Excellent. with that sort of shield in front of me, I feel like I can <laughs> finally go back to the podcast. I can finally go back to not being private on Twitter because it's almost like before I've had people like, I know Fudge, when, when it all kicked off before, spent all night just replying to tweets, like sticking up for me or blocking people, et cetera, et cetera. And I just did not have the strength to do that. Like, I, I mean, I've been in bad places in my life, but I was in the worst place in my life, genuinely. Um, so if you listen to this and sent it, it worked. Like it really did like upset me. Um, and I think now it feels like I've not just got fudge behind me. I've not just got you guys behind me. I've got an actual campaign that I'm a part of. And hopefully that'll mean that any other girl, woman, self-identifying woman that comes across this sort of thing can hopefully use our website to report it. And hopefully we are, well, we're now working with the clubs to make sure that something's actually done about it as well. Yeah. That's fair. Big, it's, it's brilliant, obviously, that we now have, it's, it's obvious, it, it, the worst part is that it needs to be there. It's, it's, the worst part is that we live in a world where there has to be mechanisms in place and support in place, but we live in the world that we're in, so we need to address that problem. It's great that the club have got on board. It's great that you've came and they haven't about officially this. yet, but I've just kind of no, talked well, to you, so you have now. Sorry, g- given, by, given by the fact... <laughs> Given by the fact that they responded, I think it's understood as a problem throughout football. And like a lot of things, you need to shine a mirror on it, show itself the problems, and then you can then start addressing them. So thank you for much for coming and speaking about that. Um, hopefully we can hear, well, we can hear more involvement going forward and hopefully less issues. Gents, lady, predictions, Sun- Saturday even, Shrewsbury, uh, 21st in the league. They have four points from seven games. Their last game was a one-all draw against Crew. They haven't had the best start to the season. I will come first to you, Steve. What is your view, thoughts, predictions, hopes and expectations for Saturday? Um, I'm expecting a response. Uh, I, I am expecting a response. Um, I think the team will be quite different to the one that was out on Saturday. I think we've we've spoken quite a lot tonight. We've gone long and we've spoken about the... Um, the need for, for, for us to, to put our faith in more. And I think we, we're doing the right thing when we do that. And I think he'll understand and recognise that, you know, last week wasn't acceptable. Um, I would expect it to be a lot more aggressive. I'm looking forward to the game. Um, and I, I think if we get a goal early, I think we, we could get four or five goals. And I'm going four or five goals. Excellent, excellent. Positivity, we like to hear that. Ben, they've got Sam Crossgrove up front. They're going to surely put 10 men behind the ball and just pump it up to him up front, aren't they? Nick a goal on the counter. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Stevie, really. I think it's a, a must-win against a team that's that started very slowly and that you're probably going to expect to be down there. So, yeah, I mean, I said earlier about us getting three or four against Shrewsbury. Um, I'll go... 
I'll go three. I'll go three. three. I'll go three. three. Okay, we've got four with Stevie, three with Ben. You're going to bring it home quick. Is it going to be a full house? Is it going to be 10, 12, 15 goals? Or... <laughs> um, well, do you know what? this is? I looked this up earlier when I was coming on, so I thought, I better get my facts right. Like, imagine if I bottled that up. Literally, in my lifetime, we have not played Shrewsbury Town. That's how long it has been. It's been 38 years. At home, oh, probably at home. I don't know, Ben. I didn't read the article that quick. Like, I didn't have my glasses on. Like we only we only played them back in 2016. Well, at home, it has been. Right, I'm editing this. So I'm <laughs> at home, it has been like 38 years since I played for in the league. They have been at Hillsborough in the league. Um, so that is quite something in itself. And we talked earlier about like it being a cup final for clubs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't know. I think every cup final is a potential banana skin. So I'd like to see a win. I'd like to see Lee Gregory get a brace and mm-hmm. hopefully see something happen. But yeah, I'm going to go 2-0. Two, two no. Excellent. No, I think it's good to see that. I think we all understand that there's the potential there for it to be a right grind and down game. I think how we start might dictate it. Um, I don't think they're going to start in any sort of... I don't think Shrewsbury are going to play in any sort of attacking way. Um, it's going to be indicative of a lot of games at Hillsborough this season. It's good to get a, a sort of iron with this sort of game. I think perhaps we've already had it with the, with the Fleetwood game on tip we played at home when we took a long time to, to break it down. Lessons have been learned so far throughout the season. We need that positive response. We have the personnel irrespective really of what, what team we put out there. So let's hope. Let's hope. Let's live in expectation and hope. And I'm going to say... 3-1 and we'll leave it at that before we go because I believe we've been about an hour um, does anybody else have any other a business no um, no just just a public welcome back to Vic um, place is better with you being on <laughs> smoother than a smooth thing Stevie thank you for finishing that we've gone from wheeler dealer to the milk train man so, uh, one more thing one more thing um, just, cool then We've probably seen about Connor Kerber. His yeah. injury. Yes. That might be something yeah, yeah, I just mentioned. Yeah. 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 Quite a bad I don't know how it's happened. I just saw that it had happened. Double yeah. compound, wasn't it? That's horrific. Mm. Wish mm. him all the best. That's awful. Yeah. Absolutely. No, absolutely. We should have done all the things the other way around, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, ending on that miserable note. Connor Kirby sat listening to this, like, oh, buzzing. Then you just go whack him back down again. (laughs) We obviously wish him all the best on the podcast. We don't want any former players and and Wednesday uh, personnel, people affiliated to the club, to be anything negative. So, we're going to end on a positive and say thank you very much for listening. I have been Dave. You've been listening to Stevie, Ben, and Victoria back with the Wednesday week. And enjoy your evening. Adieu. The Wednesday week. Grab a pint, get comfy, and enjoy the show. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points back of the net. Lubosh! Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.